Welcome to the Summit Church Podcast. That they come up early and, uh, and do what they do. It's, it's an amazing thing. But this morning, we're going to be talking about communion. Each and every week, we join together during worship. We usually do it at the end of worship, and we take communion. And in our opening text, we're going to talk about why we did that. Um, and so we're going to get right into it. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 14 through 26. We have two main texts today. If you have the app, you can open that up and get the message notes there. Uh, we'd love for you to follow along that way. But this is what it says. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this to call me affectionately to remembrance. Similarly, when supper was ended, he took the cup also saying, This cup is the new covenant ratified and established in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it to call me affectionately to remembrance. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are representing and signifying and proclaiming the fact of the Lord's death until he comes again. And now in Acts chapter 2. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common, and sold their possessions and goods, and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Let's pray. God, I thank you today. I thank you for what communion is. Jesus, you made sure to show us what it means before you ascended into heaven. The significance of the bread symbolizing your body, the, the body of Christ with us that was broken for us and your blood that was poured out. We thank you, Jesus. Give us revelation today. Give us revelation, God. Impart to us faith as we hear this word this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen. You may be seated. You may be seated this morning. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. It's good to see you today. Glad you're here in Summit Church. Fall has begun. I know it, I know it doesn't quite feel like that yet. We kind of got blessed with the fall week before fall. Now it's fall. And you know where I'm from in Matador, Dad said it was 101 degrees just the other day. And so praise God for that. But it's coming. This week, uh, I went to Oklahoma to see some of my family. They live in a little town called Inola, Oklahoma, right outside of Tulsa. Now, anytime I get to go hang out with the Mason side of the family, my dad's side of the family, I know it's going to be a lot of fun. I know we're going to eat good food. There's going to be a lot of stories. I mean, it's just great. I can't even describe to you how awesome it is. I just took videos because... A lot, of, a lot of my family that I grew up with is getting on up in years. And the reason I went, my great-grandfather, uh, Robert Mason, he's 97, and he's living in his last days. 
And so we got to go spend some time with him, and man, it was just sweet. Got to sit beside, you know, his bed and pray with him and, and talk to him. And, uh, you know, up until about a year ago, you know, he was giving the grandkids rides on his lawnmower, doing all kinds of things and just the life of the party. And uh, we love spending time with him. But my family is, has no shortage of characters, as any family does. You know, if you look at your family, you probably, when I said that, you have about five people come to your mind. There's always somebody that tells every joke, you know, has the stories, you know, that could run forever. And, and I have an uncle that is just hilarious. His, name's, his name is uh, Gary. And I was talking to him uh, for a while, and I'm like, Uncle Gary, where, you know, where do you go to church now? He said, well, Connor, you know, where I go to church, you know, if the, if the pastor's, you know, preaching and it's good, but then he says something I don't like, I just change the channel. I said, well, I take it it's on your couch. And he said, oh, yeah, that's where I go to church now. And, you know, when I heard him say that, it, it, I thought it was hilarious at first because Gary is just, you know, phenomenally funny. He can be a comedian. Um, but, man, I thought, how much community do we miss because we pick and choose many times what we want? How much do we miss from God because, you know, Maybe somebody in this room, as I was praying for this message, God was just putting people on my heart and in my mind. You know, there are people in this room, just like myself, you've joined yourself to community before, you've been a part of community, but just like my uncle, you would rather sit back and change the channel when it gets a little tough. And when God puts us in community, some of us may think, you know, I'm going to make friends. Totally true. That's amazing. Some of us may think, you know, I'm going to this community to make it better. True. But most of the time, God places us in community because he wants to sharpen us. He wants us to, you know, change from the inside out. He wants us to maybe return to some things that we have forsaken because maybe of hurt, bitterness. The devil has told us a lie about something. You know, somebody may have hurt you maybe in church or outside of church before, and you just, you know, blanket the whole church. Everybody is this way. And, and I'm telling you, I've, I've been in that situation too. And I've had to come to grips and say, God, you've placed me in the community I am in so I can grow and make everyone around me better and more like Jesus. And so this morning, we're going to be talking about communion. And you can't talk about communion without talking about community. Without being together, the, the, the Greek word, the Hebrew word here that we're talking about is koinonia. Koinonia. Koinonia is uh, similar to communion. It's similar to the fellowship of believers. They even describe it as an intimate spiritual communion and participative sharing in a common religious commitment in spiritual community. This is when we come together, we lay aside our differences and we are unified in one blood, in one baptism. That when we come together and we worship and we sing words like, I sought the Lord and he heard and he answered me. We're not only believing that for us, but for the ones around us, for the families represented in the room, for the generations that have yet to come, that they would be generations that seek the Lord and hear him answer. In the, in the timing that he does. He has never failed. And I'm telling you today, if he has brought you here to Summit Church this September morning, 
He wants to minister to you today. He wants to let you know that you are in community. He wants to speak to you this morning. He wants to have koinonia with you. This intimate connection, communion with you. If I told you this morning that Jesus himself physically would be in this room and you could come up to him and touch his hands and talk to him, you would throw everything aside and come up to the front. There would be nothing that could hold you back from doing that. When we take communion, we are literally with Jesus. He says, this is my body. This is my blood. And when we take that in the midst of worship, man, it is a real divine thing. Something real happens. I can't even really put it into words. It's, it's the Spirit moving amongst us. It's a mysterious thing that every time I take it, I say, God, reveal to me today what you want me to have through communion. In a relationship with my wife, when we are talking with one another, uh, just like this week, we've, we've been gone from each other for five days. And we, we get on the car to come home, yes, get in the car to come home yesterday, and we get to commune again, really, in person. We got to FaceTime and talk on the phone, but nothing beats being together in the same room, holding hands, talking about our week, being with one another. God doesn't just want to have a relationship with you through the preaching of the Word. He wants to be with you. With you, one-on-one. -on -one. That when you take the body and the blood of Christ, you are saying, God, I am yours again. The Hebrew word is teshuvah, which means to return, to repent. I'm turning back to you. I'm examining my heart and my actions and what I've done. And I'm saying to you, make me clean so that when I receive this bread and when I take this cup, it's out of the genuineness of my heart and that I'm not doing it because it's a religious duty or act or because my pastor said that's what I need to do. I'm doing it because I love him. I'm doing it because he means something to me. He died for me. He forgave my sins. By his blood, I am set free. By his body being broken, I am healed. And then I get to profess that over my family. My family will be healed and whole. Just in this last little stint, probably the last year, I've got to see this play out in my family and the people around me, friends from high school that now are a part of our church here in Canyon. Because I profess to God, I just don't want this for me, but when I take communion, I pray for those that are coming after me and beside me and around me. Jesus prayed for you and I before he went to the cross and he asked the Father, make them one as we are one. Bring them together. Make them real community. Today, that's where we're going to be at in our message, the community of communion. Communion was established by Jesus. It was vitally important to the early church. Communion, along with other things, is community with God and one another. There are so many things the devil is trying to use to divide us. I was with my blood family this week and there were many instances that not only like small things, but big things could have divided us. There's, you know, a death in the family coming up. There are many things that go into that. But what we try to do is pray together every day and bring it back to what it's about. 
Look at the legacy that is being left by my grandfather. Look at what he has done and what you must do when divisions try to come up among you. Paul talked about this to the Corinthian church. He said, I hear there are divisions among you and you're still taking communion. Go and make things right. Examine yourself. Look at what God wants you to do. He said, this, these are Paul's words. You should go read 1 Corinthians, I believe it's chapter 11. He talks about communion being the opposite of division. It is unifying. It's a time of turning our hearts again to Jesus. He even says some of you are sick and dying early because you are coming before communion, not examining yourself. When I read that, I was like, oh my gosh. This is post-Jesus. This is not Old Testament. He says, examine yourself. We take communion as a worship team behind the stage every Sunday before we get out here and lead worship. And this morning, just like we do many times, but this morning especially, we took a moment to pray, to confess our sins to the Lord and say, forgive us where we have fallen short. Teshuvah, I return to you. I repent. Change the way I think. Put on me the mind of Christ. And then Father, push me in the right direction. Repentance is a change of thinking and a change of our direction. I was going this way. Change the way I think. Not only that, but move me now in the right direction. Many of us have our thinking changed, but we still want to move this way. We still want to go this way. And if Israelites that were freed by God through Moses, if you get out of Egypt, and Egypt is not out of you, you will die early before you see what God has for you. Not because God doesn't want you to have it, but because your mind hasn't been renewed. Allow him to renew your mind. The Apostle Paul says this is a huge deal. He wrote that in AD 55. Jesus is seen taking communion before he goes to the cross, and then 55 years later, uh, the Apostle Paul is preaching this to the Corinthian church. So what did the early church commit themselves to? If I look at how I want to see the church move forward in the future, am I going to look at something 2,000 years removed from the inception of it, or am I going to go to the original? I'm going to go to the original, right? So we have to look back and look at church history and see what were they doing right after Jesus ascended? Why did they do what they did after Jesus ascended? And these are the things they did. One, the breaking of bread. They met together house to house and ate with one another, which included communion. The taking of the bread in their day, they did wine, we do juice here, which is the body and blood of Christ. I would ask you today, don't make communion what it is not. Don't make it weird in your mind. It is mysterious. When, when Jesus said, eat my flesh and drink my blood to his disciples, many of them left. They're like, this guy, has, he fasted more than 40 days in the wilderness. He is, his blood sugar's off. He, what is he saying? He said, eat my flesh and drink my blood. Many of them left. And he turns to the disciples and they say, where, where are we going to go? He asked them, are you going to leave me too? They said, no, only you hold the words of eternal life. And we must look at him when he gives us challenging things. Communion can be challenging for some of us in this room. And we must say to him, no matter what, I'm not leaving you. You hold the words of eternal life. 
And I'm not letting my human intellect or something I've heard or seen keep me from the promise that he has through communion. The second thing they devoted themselves to was prayer. Excited, fervent, effective talking with God. Every relationship you have in this world started with a conversation. When my little babies were born, both of them, the first thing I did, I talked to them. Hey, baby, I'm talking to them. I'm communing with them. And every relationship you continue to have will continue with a conversation. Talking with God. Three, they devoted themselves to the apostles' doctrine, the teachings of Jesus. I'm telling you, look at church history. Look at what they did. I don't know why we think we can improve upon what Jesus said to do. This is crazy. That's what we do as humans, though. Let's not move away from what he's done. Four, fellowship. Devoted to loving one another. Devoted to loving one another. No matter what, I'm going to love my neighbor. People that spitefully use me, speak all manner of evil, all manner of evil is what the Bible says. That's everything. You can't make anything up that doesn't fall underneath all manner of evil. <laughs> all manner of evil. I have to love them. Oh, it's so hard sometimes. It's so hard. It's so hard. Y'all, I was with my family locked up in a little confine for about a week. It's hard. Golly, Lord, I got to love them. Did you hear what they said? And he's like, you know, y'all nailed me to a tree. I'm like, yeah, you're right. And so we're, we're sitting there. This is, you know, yesterday was the last day I got to spend time with my family before, uh, you know, we came back home. And every morning this week, I got up and made gravy. I love to cook. I love to cook. I love it. And in Oklahoma, if you're from Oklahoma, chocolate gravy is really big. And then just regular old gravy. You know, they were telling me stories. My 97-year-old granddad uh, they'd come home some days and just have flour uh, and water. And my granny would make biscuits and gravy. Uh, water gravy is what they call it. And uh, so we just kind of harken back to that. I made gravy every day in the last day. You know, I got all the older aunts and uncles in their 70s judging my gravy. You know, oh, that's pretty good. Little clumpy, little clumpy. I get, add a little more pepper to that. You get a little more salt in there. And so, you know, I was taking pride in it. In the last day, everybody's outside. Me and my mom are inside cooking, and we're just talking. And she's like, you need to go outside and spend time with your family. We don't need gravy this morning. I said, you don't know who I am. I'm Chef Mason, according to my aunts and uncles. And I make this gravy for our family. And she's like, no, you need to get out there. And so the whole time me and her, you know, talking back and forth, I just think about Mary and Martha. And Martha is just concerned with something that does not make a hill of beans. Let's look at it in Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 41. Now, while they were on their way, Jesus entered a village called Bethany. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who seated herself at the Lord's feet and was continually listening to his teaching. But Martha was very busy and distracted with all of her serving responsibilities. And she approached him and said, Lord, is it of no concern to you that my sister has left me to do the serving alone? Tell her to help me and do her part. She's telling Jesus in order to tell her sister, get back here and help. 
But this is what Jesus does. He said, but the Lord replied to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered and anxious about so many things. But only one thing is necessary, for Mary has chosen the good part, that which is to her advantage, which, not, which will not be taken away from her. This is a perfect picture of many times how we interact with God in our daily life, how we sometimes come to church. God has something he wants to give you today that would blow your mind beyond all you can think or imagine. And many times we're caught up in doing our tasks, doing what we think is important, trying to make the gravy instead of going out. What's more important, me making this little thing that won't really even matter or me going out and spending time with family I haven't seen in like 10 years? When you place, place things in a, in a priority that God doesn't want there, there are people around you that are missing you. They're missing you. Troy Hubbard and the rest of the team and Hannah Sims and Chasson and Joey and Tanner, they all showed up this morning. If they wouldn't have showed up, look what we would have missed in worship. There are things specific and special to you that nobody else can do. Don't undermine the giftings God has given you to help minister to the body and to edify the body. The encouragement we receive from one another. A handshake from Dave Harris. A handshake from Joey Dominguez. I could go down a list of people that I'm looking forward to seeing every single Sunday. And if you don't show up, somebody is missing that. That's how we see God. We see God through this relationship, but we see God through one another. How will they know that we love them when we're unified? Many people, many friends of mine that I talk to, they don't want to come to church because when they see the church, they see like a frowning, angry Christian person looking at them, looking down their nose. Man, I don't want that to be said of me. I just don't. Taylor, I, Taylor has an open door policy to tell me if I am being too harsh. She'll just tell me, hey, what you said was really good, but the way you said it, the way you came off. And sometimes I submit to that and say, babe, I know the Lord's put you in my life for that reason. So I'm going to listen. And there's some times where I'm like, that could be further from the truth, Taylor. Are you kidding me? I was talking about the Bible. I was talking about Jesus. How can that be unloving? She was like, your tone was all wrong. I'm like, golly. And then that continues to make my tone wrong when she says that. It just keeps on adding fuel to the fire. But we have to get to this place with the Lord and the community around us where we allow them to sharpen us. To, you know, go up beside one another and say, hey, man, that was awesome. But, man, like, this, this could be something that could help. This is community. Like, not giving up when it gets kind of hard. My, you know, I was hanging out, like I said, with my older aunts and uncles. All of, in their 70s, some of them almost in their 80s. And uh, they just... <laughs> You know, when they get on a rant, man, it's, it's the best. I just sit back. I don't jump in because I'll get attacked. I will get attacked. So I sit back and I listen. They're just like, mm, these young marriages nowadays, one little spat and it's all over. I hear them in the other room and I'm like, 
Man, I want us to be committed people. Committed. When things get tough, just work through it. Just go talk. Just go talk it out. If you have a disagreement with somebody, they may even be in this room. The Bible says to go to them. Oh, not to go to somebody else, but go to them. Like to them face to face. Not like text or sometimes you got to call. Sometimes you have to. But man, go up to them and make it right. What are we missing because we are hurried? What are we missing because we are anxious and worried? What are we missing because we're holding on to bitterness and resentment? You don't know what they did. I had somebody tell me that. this week. You don't know what they did, Connor. I don't know what they did, but I know what he did is more than what they did. And if you trust in what he did, what they did won't even matter. Because you'll see everything they did in light of what he did. It's just perspective. It's taking time to think and letting metanoia, the changing of my thinking through repentance, teshuvah, returning to happen and then walking with him. God is so gracious to do this with us. I have one more story, Chesson. You can come up and strum the strings. On the road to Emmaus, Jesus has died he is, you know, risen again, and this interaction happens. This is a lot of scripture here, but I, I think it's vital to where we're going to finish up today. Luke chapter 24, verses 13 through 35. If you have your Bible, you can flip there. Now behold, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together of all these things which had it happened. So it was while they conversed in reason that Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were restrained, so they didn't know it was him. And he said to them, what kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? Then the one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? And have you not known the things which happened there in these days? And he said to them, what things? So they said to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty indeed in word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us when they did not find his body they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But him they did not see. Then he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter in his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. Then they drew near to the village where they were going, and he indicated that he would have gone farther. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to stay with them. Now it came to pass, as he sat at the table with them, that he took bread, blessed it, he broke it, and gave it. I want you to notice that. He took the bread, he blessed it, broke it, and gave it. 
Then their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished from their sight. And they said to one another, Did our hearts not burn within us while we talked, while he talked with us on the road, and while he opened the scriptures to us? So they rose up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord is risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. And they told them about the things that had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. This story is so profound. Two men on the road to Emmaus. On a seven-mile journey, Jesus breaks it all down, all the way from the prophets of old, all the way to where he is now, and they never noticed who he was. Do you think anybody could teach that better than Jesus could? No. Nobody could say it the way he said it. Nobody could use the, the words right enough to make it more plain. But when did they recognize him? When he broke the bread. Uh, we knew him because of the way he did it. He blessed it. He broke it. And he gave it. This is the picture of the body of Christ that was broken for you and me. When Jesus was baptized and all through his life, he was blessed. And he came to a point where he was broken. And then he gave himself to humanity. If you are in this room today and you have not experienced that in your life, that when you see the broken body of Christ and the blood that was poured out, if you have not experienced that freedom in your heart and in your mind, today you can. Today you can. He blessed it. He broke it and he gave it. And he does it over and over and over again every time we meet. Every time we take the wafer or the bread piece that is symbolized by his body and the blood that was poured out for you and I, we remember and call back Teshuvah to remembrance of what he has done. And when we don't come before that, examining ourselves, we do it in a way that is unworthy of who he is. Today, I want you to stand on your feet with me. Rest of the team, you can come up. If you are in this room, communion is for the believer. And today, before we sit at the Lord's table, the table that is hosted by Jesus himself, I want to give you the opportunity to say to him, all of my ambition, all of my life is now for you. I decide today, I want to invite you to this table, but you can't come to it without coming through the door of his body being broken and his blood being poured out. There's no power in the piece of bread or in the juice but what Jesus said, there's power. that can't save your life. It only adds to what he has already done. I want everybody to bow your head this morning. If you are in this room and you don't know Jesus and you want to come to the Lord's table and receive communion, you say, Connor, I want to deny myself, take up my cross and follow him. I want old things to pass away and all things to become new. I just want you to lift your hand right now. I just want you to shoot it up in the air. I see your hand. Anybody else? Anybody else? Lift your hand. I see your hand. 
If you want to put it all on the line today and say, I'm surrendering it all to him, just shoot your hand up. I see your hand. I see your hand. The Lord's table is a welcoming table, but we must come through the door of what Jesus has done. Church, let's pray together with these four that have made the decision this morning. Repeat after me. Jesus, I come to you today. I repent of my sin. Change my mind and my direction. I choose today to take all of my ambition, all my passion, and all my worship and give it to you. Today I decide to take up my cross and follow you. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen. Let's put our hands together for the four that have decided. Communion hosts, you can come forward this morning. This whole service today, before I even got here, the Lord was just speaking to my heart and saying, Connor, who are the next 15 going to be? Last week we baptized 15 people. We ran out of, out of baptism shirts. One person had to get baptized in their blue jeans. And God's been speaking to me, who's going to be the next 15? It's going to be those that we as the body of Christ go out and bring into the fold. This morning, you can come out of your aisle. You can just come right now and take the bread and the juice. Go back to your seat and we'll bless it. take the wafer you have 
Begin talking to God in your own words. Examine your heart this morning. Let him know how you feel about him. Speak to him as you would a father. Open up your heart to him. Some of you in this room never had a father. I'm telling you, talk to him like a friend. He is your father. We examine ourselves before you, Lord. Every idle word spoken, every idle action committed, we repent and we say change our mind and change our direction before we receive of your supper today. I want you to hold it up. His body was broken so you could be healed. He was empty so you could be made full. You are healed by the broken body of Christ. Say that with me. I am healed by the broken body of Christ. You may receive. In the same way we take the juice, which Jesus said is his blood. Jesus' blood sets me free from the curse and the grip of sin. Say that with me. I am free from the curse and the grip of sin. You may receive. Just as Jesus did with the disciples on the night he was betrayed, we have now taken communion. And we're going to end today's service with the song we ended worship with. So I want you to lift your hands. I want you to lift your heart. Even before we start singing corporately, begin worshiping him in your own words. I sought the Lord. I sought the Lord. And he heard. And he answered me. I sought the Lord.
Pastor Scotty and Pastor Taylor, can y'all come to the front and Pastor Shelley? I just feel led. If you need prayer for healing in your body, if you need prayer for healing in your mind, I just want you to come forward right now. We're going to take about five minutes and pray for those that are sick among us, any of those that need healing this morning or prayer. We're going to continue in this song for just a few minutes. And you just come up. Just come up to the front. And we're going to pray for those that are sick among us and join in faith. Just continue singing. altar is open if you want to come forward and kneel you, you do what you feel led to do by the Lord at this moment that's why I trust him that's why I trust him I saw the Lord and he heard and he answered me I saw the Lord and he heard and he answered me I saw the Lord and he heard and he answered me that's why our hands as we close out today's service. I trust in God. Not trusting God. My Savior the one who will never fail. He will never fail. I trust in God. My Savior one more time, I want you to repeat after me. I am healed by the broken body of Christ. I am free of sin because of the blood of Christ. Speak that over yourself this week. He invites us to the table of communion to be reminded of what he has done. I'm going to speak a blessing over you, and then we will be dismissed. If you'll lift your hands as to receive a blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you 
and be gracious to you. May he turn his countenance towards you and give you peace in the name of Jesus Christ. And all the church said, blessed be the name of the Lord. You are dismissed this morning. Let's give God one more hand clap of praise for what he did today. Thank you for being here. We'll see you back next Sunday. Thank you for being a part of the Summit Church podcast today. We pray that God used today's podcast to draw you closer to him. You can stay in the know at Summit by following us on social media. Thank you again for being a part. This is the Summit Church podcast.